0: everybody it's us we're back again tag team direct and let's begin it's me it's another guest I, that's how we do things here we like our guests they really take the pressure off they make me look a lot better this one's named denny broins and he's got a whole like it's nearly like a baseball team worth of kids he's really going to teach us a lot here he's going to teach us a lot about ex-wives too because he's got more than one of those as well and he's also got an awesome podcast that you're going to learn about here so stick around to the end uh, that's our that's our teaser, I guess. You you can't you can't quit yet. You have to watch all the way because you otherwise you don't get to the podcast part. Anyway, Danny, I appreciate you showing up, man. Because uh, I never know, <laughs> as we were talking about, it's always a uh, uh, hit or miss on that one.
1: But you, thanks yeah. again.
0: Uh, no, thank and, uh, thank you
1: for having me. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, again, thanks for having me on. Um, my name is Denny Bruins. I like long walks on the beach you know, all of that stuff. No, no. Uh, I'm just, uh, my name's Denny. Like I said, I, I'm, uh, I live in a small town in central Indiana. Um, it's a little town called Rushaville spelled just like Russia And, uh, I get a lot of, I get a lot of play for that on our podcast, made fun of a little bit, but I, like you said, I have my own basketball team of children and, I can almost rival the basketball team with wives because I've had, I'm not quite there, but six kids, four wives at different times, of course, never all at the same time. So I've got my children range in age from my oldest is Braden, and he is 26 years old. And he's given me my first two grandchildren who are also uh, older. His oldest son is older than my youngest child my youngest two so i've got them ranging tw- right 26 my second oldest is 24 and then my third is he's 10 his name is braxton and then my daughter audrey is nine and then my daughter isabel is three and my daughter piper is two so as you can tell i do everything in pairs hmm
0: <laughs> wow that is so I can't imagine like I'm I'm pushing my wife to have another uh, boy or girl I, I'm happy with and she is just like one day she's like yes let's do it let's I'll stop the birth control now and then the next day she's like I can't handle this I it's just too much and I'm a I'm actually the stay-at-home dad so I'm, I'm more used to the tantrums and the crying and whatnot and she's the breadwinner she you know she breaks home the big bucks but it's and maybe you've dealt with this i actually this is a question i can ask you uh not one that i wrote down but might as well get it out of the way uh i don't know how things worked you know with your um with any of your wives as far as who was working who was staying at home but did you ever have a problem with the child uh like being i guess uh more difficult with one parent over the other in particular my wife noticed you know when my when she gets home at the end of the, the day my son like his behavior will sometimes change uh, also the, the same thing can kind of happen if she's at home for too often
1: so it's funny you should mention that because i my youngest two children isabel and piper the they're 3 and 2 and they do this best friend thing you are if they get upset you're not my best friend and since my wife was a stay at home mom her name is amanda and she was a stay-at-home mom she just recently over the last year went back to work so she has bonded with with those younger two especially um very very deeply and i work a lot i'm I'm in a very fast paced business um i'm i'm kind of a multi-unit manager of different locations so um i'm away from home a lot and it's funny this round of children uh, when my oldest boys were little, I was their world. So everything, everything was about dad that I raised them, I had custody of them. Um, they can't remember life without living with me. And, but I get to these two kids and they're way more into mom than they are me. And I have struggled with that. I have really struggled with that because I'm used to being kind of that cool parent and I'm used to being. Um, you know, omnipresent almost where they just, they just expect to see me. And with, with my job constraints and different things like that, I haven't been able to be as involved in their lives as I want to be. Now, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm a, a, um, an absentee dad. I'm here, I'm home every night. And, you know, I, I play with the kids. I, you know, I raise them. It's not like they never see me, but I just, my wife is such a good mom that she's taken that pressure away from me and you know to keep the kids happy and it's almost kind of like a double edged sword because i like the break where i don't have to do everything but it does it does kind of lean to them being more into mom than dad now it's changing isabel the 3 year old who's about to turn 4 she is just now starting to come around dad being being her favorite um and i and i think they both will uh eventually just because i'm i'm fun and (laughs) you know i i wrestle with them and i and i tease them and all of that stuff so i know it's going to come around but that's been tough on my psyche you know wanting to be that that fun um dad that wrestles with them and plus here's the other thing Corey, i am um you know, when I did this before, I was in my 20s. I was 22, 23 years old. I was 23 when my first son was born and 25 when my second one was born. I'm pushing 50 now and I'm doing it all again. So my energy level is considerably different. I'm sure that plays into it a little bit. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, for sure. And that actually kind of allows me to segue into a different topic that is is <clears throat> very tied into that. And that is something that's been really important to me lately because uh, just events in my life have led me to question this about myself. And I've actually done some bonus, bonus content about it, but I'm, I'm wondering about mental toughness and you have just described a uh, you know, situation that would give me quite a bit of anxiety and you know, quite a bit of stress, uh, seemingly maybe even from a day-to-day uh, basis. What do you do to kind of cope with that? Uh, you know, when, when you are feeling that, you know, uh, loneliness or whatever you want to call it, when, when they just don't seem to care that you're around, when you're feeling that sort of emotion, what do you typically do to kind of combat that and, and keep an even keel?
1: Man, not, not to sound too cliche, but I, I, I stay the course. Because I know for my relationships with my older four, now remember two adult, two, you know, almost teenagers, and, um, you know, two, the little ones are the ones that get me. And it's, I try to just stay the course and make sure that nothing's different. I still, you know, kiss them a hundred times and tell them I love them. Um, You know, I count their pigs for them on their feet until they, you know, make me stop. Like I try and just do what I'm going to do and what I've always done. I don't want to overdo it because I think people, I think kids especially realize that desperation and it, it's cut off might not be the right word, but it fits. There is a, um, it's almost like if you want something too much and you know, you, you massage it too much. What was the guy's name? George with the mouse. And he just, he massaged it until it died. Well, when you're, when you're looking at these kids, they're looking at you and you've been gone all day. You've been doing your thing. They're still living their little tiny lives and it's fast paced. And I don't want to try and force them into my feelings. I want it to be organic. And so I just continue to do the things that, you know, I've always done because they've, you know, they've done me well through my first two sets of kids. Uh, so I, I don't want to change my formula too much for that very reason.
0: Yeah. Best to stick with what worked in the past. I suppose, uh, that allows me to organically kind of shift gears again. And I swear it's never this easy for me to do this sort of thing, but you've got a wide range in, as far as ages for your children. And I'm wondering, I get, uh, I get very little feedback to be honest from anybody, but some of it does involve staying connected to your kids and so you've got some at home you've got some that have been gone a long time how do you stay you know from from those teen years where they're actively pulling away to those later years where they're just simply too busy how do you stay connected with your kids
1: oh so i have such a good relationship with all of my kids that especially my adult children um, you know i'd mentioned that i raised them you know they they always lived with me and i've while I had to be the heavy sometimes growing up, I'm also the dad that always gave them a chance to tell me what's going on. You know, there was discipline, but it wasn't, um, but it wasn't hellfire type stuff. It was, they knew if, if they crossed the line, they were going to get it. But if they also knew they could come to me. And I think that that kind of worked its way through the years to just, build a closeness between me and the older boys, especially, um, you know, that, that they're comfortable with me and they still see my home as home, even though they both have their own. Uh, I, I believe that they, they still see my little house here in Rooshville as, as kind of their hub, if you will. And, you know, technology has helped me. I, I can, I can text my children any time of the day. And just see how their day is going. And it's not like I have to take an hour out of everyone's day and pick up the phone and call and keep them on the phone for an hour while we work through, you know, pleasantries before I start finding out how things are going in their lives. Because my my boys are very very busy. They, you know, they my oldest son has children of his own. He's going through a divorce. He's, so he's got all that going on. Plus, he has a job that he travels. My second oldest son is, you know, he works full-time job. And he's about to finish uh, college right now at Purdue University for engineering. So he's busy. He does jujitsu. The kid's busy. So sometimes the only way I can get to them is through the modern technology of text messages. And uh, I, I can't imagine being a dad in, say, 1989 when they turn 20 and you want to reach out, you got to go into your kitchen and get a corded phone and dial the number and hope they answer. You know what I mean? It, it, this is, this has been, I feel very blessed that the time we live in makes communication and staying connected very easy. And I'll tell you one more thing, not to overrun your podcast here. Sorry. I talk a lot. Um, no worries at all. But my, my son, Braden, was in the Marines. We talked about this a little bit before and I'm gonna tell you that was one of the hardest times of my life. Um, my firstborn, uh, you know, gone. He he was deployed to like Australia, but he he never was in truly in harm's way. So I don't, you know, I don't want to pretend that, you know, I don't want to steal things from parents that did have to um, endure that. But just the fact that my son was gone, um, boy, that was tough. That was so hard on me mentally, even physically, I found, um, I was an emotional wreck. And even when he was taken away for basic training, they tell you, um, you know, sit by your phone. He's going to call at, you know, once he arrives in California, he will, he'll call you and you're not allowed to speak. You can answer the phone and he reads from a script and that's that. So, you know, my son's 18 years old I've talked to him every single day, anytime I want to, and now he's gone. He gets on this on this bus that I know he's scared to death, and uh, you know he he's going thousands of miles away, and I'm waiting. And I still remember one o'clock in the morning, my phone rings. I answer it, and it was private, you know. Or- you know, whatever he said, <laughs> Braden Broen. Sorry about that. And um, I just wanted to let you know I have arrived. I love you. And then click. He's gone. And then I can't talk to him. I didn't get to speak to him again for six weeks. And uh, talk about misery. That that was tough on me mentally. Uh, that, that time probably will go down as one of my darkest uh, times in my life just because my, my firstborn son uh, kind of left the left the nest and I couldn't protect him anymore.
0: It, it sounds awful. Hey, I'm, I'm having flashbacks to when I left and, and what that might, <clears throat> excuse me must have been like for my family, um, you know, for whatever, uh, you know, for whatever they took the time to stop caring about themselves and, and, and caring <laughs> about me. I, I wonder if that was because I was actually in right. Uh, well, I joined before, but was in right around 9-11. So I would imagine that you know, there were times without it was particularly hard for them to think like about that. you know what I was doing and where I might be and, and all that sort of thing. I'm wondering... Boy, I'm,
1: glad, I'm glad that it wasn't that time. I really am. Boy.
0: Yeah, <clears> right. Uh, it didn't get any better after that. Um, why join the Marines? Did, do you have a family in the Marines? Did it just uh, something about it stick with them?
1: You know what's funny is... Braden was always this kid that, um, he had all of the ability and just none of the drive. When he was a kid, he he could he could play any sport he wanted to, and he could he could really uh, perform. He was smart. Just anything he wanted to do, he could. But he just every decision and choice he made, it's like he looked at a he looked at a road map and said, "This could take me." To the promised land, and this could make things hard for me for the next five years. That sounds like a lot more fun. I'll take harder for five years, Alex. And it was like every single time. So, when he, one of my favorite pictures of Braden is the night before his last day of high school, before graduation, he's laying in his bed and he's got his back against the wall and a pillow behind him. And he's got his iPad because, you know, that's how they do school now. And he's got this iPad on his belly. And with his hand on top of it so it's resting. And he I go back to check on him because I know he's worried about he needed this one, whatever credit it was, he needed this one class and he needed this one test to get it. And I go back there at like midnight and he's asleep, sitting straight up in that bed with that on his belly, just like I'm talking. So he, I say all of that to say this. He had always kind of taken the easy route. And I think he wanted to prove, he said, the Marines is the hardest one. It's the one that has, you know, kind of the most, um, storied, you know, history. It's the elite, uh, group. I'm going to do that and prove it. And, and he did. And to this day, I couldn't be more proud of him.
0: Yeah, I I agree. It is probably the hardest one. And that's the the reason I didn't join. I, I was like, okay, I don't want to end up on a sub because my height is right around that borderline. And, uh, my, my eyes were uh, like they were going to get me problems as far as being a pilot. And there were, I didn't see any reason to be in the air force if I wasn't going to fly planes like Maverick. So I was left with only the army and you know, it's, it's something that I would not go back to, but it's something that I ha- have zero regrets about and that I'm thankful for virtually every single day. So it is, you know, it's, it's, it's cool to, you know to he- at least hear about i'm not i'm not speaking to him but it's cool to hear about somebody that you know they they did their thing they they did it well and then and then they got out and then they moved on and just like me you know because i talked to some guys like multiple guys seemingly they're like yeah uh, retired this retired that and i'm like i did four years uh i was in bosnia for seven months wow. you know like you know i didn't like my unit was going to Afghanistan and and I got out right before that. So, you know, I I missed like all these uh, hardships that they all had to endure. And I I just come up feeling like, you know, insignificant in a way when, when compared to that. So it's good to, to, you know, to at least hear about somebody that I don't have to feel inadequate when, when put up against. Uh, I I do. I will uh, tell you
1: just from my perspective, you are not inadequate. It's I, I make, I don't, I make fun of both my kids mercilessly, but, but in this particular case, my parents never allowed me to play football. I'm a big guy. I'm strong. Like I would have been a good football player. I coach it now. And my, my son, Garrett, my 24 year old son, he played football and he was part of a team that went pretty deep in the state finals. Um, You know, they hadn't done it in a very long time before he was part of the team And Braden was a Marine. So I talk, I talk a lot about you both wore uniforms that I could, I I never did. And kind of the same thing for you is you put on a uniform. I never did. And, um, not, not to, you know, overplay this, but don't sell yourself too short on that. You left your family, you went through some hardship. Sure. You didn't go over and get, you know, what some of the other guys might've, but uh, that doesn't change the trajectory or the path that you were on. So you, you should be celebrated for the decisions you made for sure.
0: I appreciate that. Um, you know, my humor sometimes goes a little bit past self-deprecating and into whatever pathetic uh, topic, I guess it comes after that. So yeah, sometimes I do, you know, come up or, uh, you know, as my own worst critic, I definitely, you know, I try to do better than I used to be. I actually just released an episode where I talk about how I've gotten a little bit better at that, but that's really neither here nor there. Uh, This is more your show than mine. And I was wondering, I've got another thing that comes up with a few parents that do ask me for, for questions and and feedback. And that is difficulty in parenting these days. You've, you've got these kids from kind of different, uh, like uh, spans of time, and, you know, such that they were dealing, or you were dealing with with different parenting difficulties. And I was wondering if taking all of your experience into account, would you consider that to give you an advantage today when you're you're up against all these uh, screens and 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 computers and what have you? Or is it still something that you find uh, to be a little bit difficult to handle from time?
1: Believe it or not, I think it's more difficult.
0: Since I did raise children before
1: the screens really came on, um, you know, there are, there are advantages to your children being able to explore the world, you know, through their phone or their tablets or what have you. And I don't want to discount the importance of, of children being able to do those things. I, I think that's important to their development. I think it's important to their ability to entertain themselves, because one thing to me that I think the world is kind of struggling with today is um, children's inability to kind of entertain themselves, I guess, for lack of a better term. They almost need their parents to constantly be involved, and I'm okay with that. My wife is very involved. But I can remember being a kid, and, of course, everybody's going, oh, here we go. But, you know, I used to go in the woods by myself. Now, today, I would never let my children go in the woods by themselves because there's too many freaks out there. But yet I bitch about the ones that because they don't do it. You know what I mean? Like, you guys need to go out and explore the woods, but you better not because I'm not going to let you. Like, it's, <laughs> it's such a catch-22 that we're in, but with my with my boys, yeah, you know, the games were just coming on you know, the realistic war game type things that kids would play. And it was still appointment TV to a degree. Now everything's just streaming and you can watch it when you want. Knowing that and having lived it and now going to parent this way, man, it, it is tough. I, and I don't want to, I don't want to, make this sound like, oh, woe is me, whatever, but my goodness, it's the, getting the kids trying to find that sweet spot of screen time and not screen time and when's it okay and when's it not okay, gluten-free, not gluten-free, like all of these things, man, it's it's so, it's like a a riddle every single day, I still just want to say, Hey, you know, let's play. I love you. All right, go play, come back. Let's play a game. All right. Beat it. Loser. Those are kind of the things that, you know, I wish that our society could kind of take a step back, but they're never going to because that's it's progress, right? So we're going to keep on marching forward. So I just have to mitigate The screen time as much as I can. And it's not, I'm using screen time as kind of a metaphor for all of the societal crutches that we have right now. And it's so much more than screen time. Um, You know, our kids are being tacked from so many different um, angles. We just have no idea. And, you know, when I was in school, or even when my my oldest children were in school, I never, I don't think anybody ever worried about what was being taught. I don't think anybody ever worried about, you know, what the teachers were saying, all of that. The, the worst case scenario is if, you know, I got a whipping at school, which I got a couple of those, ask my mom, <laughs> um, you know, well, should he have gotten two instead of one or that it was never not my kid. It was, was this the right time? You let him get away with it two weeks ago. And, but today it's so much different. and. It's just, you just have to stay the course on what you believe. And that's the other piece. We do, so many people de- believe so many different things. You have to be tolerant of other beliefs on top of it. I, I tend to lean more conservative and um, I have very close friends, my ex-wife, Jamie, um, who tends to lean a little more liberal. And um, our styles for raising children um, were completely different. And part of it was because of our views. And, um, that did lead to a little difficult time when we were married. Um, but I don't know, I I guess I could get back to your original question. It's, it's difficult to, it's difficult to combat society, screens, ideas, expectations if somebody came to me and said, hey what's your advice for raising kids today versus you know early 2000s the only advice I can give is just like I said earlier, stay the course do what you think is right and as long as you're convicted in your thoughts and 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 you stay consistent in your parenting, I think whatever you choose to do will be okay. I, I really do. I, I think the kids are resilient. And they adapt and overcome, and and as long as you're respectful to your kids, you treat them like people, not objects. Uh, I I I believe that's the recipe for success in 1970s, 1980s, 90s, 2000s, and today. I really do. I am well, talking you, a lot on this podcast.
0: That it, it feel no worries at all because uh, my next question was going to be what is your best advice for a new dad? And you've just led right into it without me having to say anything. That's my uh, co-host, Dan. That's his favorite question to ask our, our guests. And I tried to get that one in pulling up here before I forget. We have Dan, mostly Dan, sometimes Sam, give a joke at the end of the episode. Uh, just to kind of leave the, <laughs> I won't say leave the listeners with a laugh because oftentimes they're just fucking awful but at least leave the show on a high note, on a, on a light note, you know, no matter what serious stuff we were talking about throughout the, the length of the show. And I wanted to make sure to bring up my poor attempt at, at finding a joke. We, we pretend that Dan writes them all himself, which is not the compliment he thinks it is uh, when he gives some of these out. But uh, with that being said, I did find what appears to be the, the funniest uh, that I could find on the shortest notice. So right on. Uh, that's crazy that you've like, I will have, you know, I don't ask, uh, I don't ask many questions and I certainly don't have many pre-planned, but there's been at least once, maybe twice here that I've, I've opened my mouth to ask you something and you've just led into the answer. So that's kind of interesting. Um, not sure about psychic ability in your family or anything like that, but, um, you know, cultivate it if you can, I'm sure that's good with kids. Um, but uh, speaking of being good with kids, uh, two questions. This is just a personal thing. I don't know who who's going to find this at all that interesting, but would you consider boys or girls to be the hardest one to raise? Fuck
1: me. I'm going to tell you right now. Sorry. And if you need to bleep that, please go <laughs> ahead. But anytime it comes to which is easier, boys or girls, I'm going to tell you all day, boys, all day, every day. And uh, I, I don't think that's a popular opinion, but to me, Boys have the testosterone makes it a little easier for a dad. Maybe not for a mom. I I don't know that moms are going to agree. Um, And I'm not trying to stereotype here we are societal, right? (laughs) But it's, I I would much rather. And it's funny because I was going to bring this up at some point. Anyway, Um, my, my oldest two are boys. My youngest two are girls and, those boys they didn't really start fighting until man they were in school now they would have disagreements and they would shove over a toy or whatever but whatever but i've got piper two years old and she just turned 2 in june and isabel will be 4 in january and these two fight like like evander holyfield and mike tyson and i just never knew like I'd always heard girl, girl fights are worse than boy fights and, and this, that, and the other, but man, I just, I can be in one side side of my house and I just know something just went down and hell is breaking loose on the other side of the house and they're scratching and pinching and pulling and shoving and they just, they don't give a shit. They, <laughs> they are, they are just going to do it. And now that doesn't mean that they don't come out and tell me what the other one did, but they but they they fight like they're getting paid and they <laughs> need a raise. And what's funny is, and this is not what the boys did, these girls, when the fight's over, it's dead. They don't linger on it, which I thought they would. They don't hang on it for days. Now, when they get older, that may be different but the boys did, they would fight and I'd have to sit them down a day or so later and say, Hey, we got to put this to bed. I'm, t- you know, you guys have avoided each other for too long. You're best friends. Let's get over it. These two, now they're still young, but, but it, it's, they have their fight. They pinch, they scratch, whatever they do and they come tell me and then it's done. And I, now it that doesn't mean it's not going to start again in 10 minutes. They might, they'll, somebody else will say something or do something, but, it's it's so interesting to me, the different dynamics between young girls and young boys. And again, I, I consider myself kind of a subject expert because I've got them and I, I've lived them both. Um, so it, it's it's interesting that you say that, but I, I would that you ask that question because it is something that that I have been asked a lot. And, and my answer is always very quick. Give me boys any day of the week. Any day now. My favorite child. I don't know if you were going to ask that, but my 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 favorite child is my daughter Audrey. Now, you'll never none of my kids will ever hear this podcast while I'm alive, so they <laughs> can't be upset with me. But they are. Um, they all get teased uh, by by my daughter Audrey, and I'll get into more about my relationship with Audrey when we talk about the podcast because she's kind of the reason for that. Um, but she is different than the other girls. And if every girl was like my daughter Audrey, who is nine, um, my opinion may be different, I think, because she is so sweet and kind and uh, she she's a pleaser and she just wants she just loves her dad, she loves her mom, she loves her stepmom. And she's funny and she's smart. She's like everything you would want. Uh, yeah, I don't know why. I don't know how, but I, I don't think she's the norm. So if I only had Audrey, I would say, oh, I'll take girls. But since I have Isabel and Piper, I'm like, F that. Give me boys all day.
0: Interesting. Uh, good details to describe why you chose <laughs> one over the other. I'm wondering the second question, why six?
1: Well, so get your abacus ready because <laughs> this, this we're, we're going to take some turns on this one. So I've only, I've only fathered four of the six. So Braden and Garrett, my two oldest are with my first wife and then Piper and Isabel are with my wife now, Amanda and uh, Amanda brought my 10-year-old son with her to our relationship. Uh, he's my stepson. He's actually probably in the next two weeks will be my actual son. I'm adopting him. And uh, so he'll be legally my son. I just don't understand. I'm just sidebar. I don't understand people that know they have a child out there and don't give a shit about him. I just, I don't get it. I'm glad he does. I'm glad that I'm glad that's the path he took, but it's, it's it still surprises me. Now I know that there are circumstances out there for some folks that I'm not going to cast stones. Just this particular situation and and any like it. Just don't know how people have a child out there and just leave it be. But aside from that, I've got Braxton, who Amanda brought, and Audrey, the nine year old. Um, she too is adopted, um, and. That was with my wife, Jamie, my third wife. So if you're keeping track, my first wife, Angie, I had, I married her very young. Uh, I was 19. She was 24, 23, 24. He cooked for me. And when she cooked for me, I was like, hey, this is just like home. And she already had a couple of kids. And I was like, hey, you know, I could step right from teens to adulthood. You know, the boys need to be seen as a man. And that got a hold of me, and so I made some stupid decisions, and I, I knew that that relationship was doomed very soon, and very soon into the relationship. And then I married Tracy, was my second wife. We had no children together. Uh, we were together for 10 years. We were married for 10 years, and uh, I'm a jerk. Don't think less of me. I cheated on her, and um, you know, this was back in 2010. I cheated on her and, you know, kind of through, it was my midlife crisis and no, no excuse for it. Um, But it's, it's part of my story. So I tell it and I'm not afraid of it. Um, But we had no children. She did help me raise Braden and Garrett. She was very integral in, in their, you know, growing up and their development. She was with them from the time they were, you know, one until 10 and 10 or 11 and, the girl I cheated on her with was, her name was Jamie, she and I worked together, and uh, I was married to her following. And I, I don't know what those stats look like when you cheat to get together. They're not very good, I don't think. And ours wouldn't be any different. We made it, we made it five miserable years. And um, I can't get too deep into how we ended up with a child that we adopted together. Kind of a funny story sidebar, I had a vasectomy when uh, my son Garrett was born. So back in, we'll call it 2000, I had a vasectomy. And then in 2014, April, 2014, uh, I drove to St. Louis and had that vasectomy reversed because my wife at the time wanted another child. And so I went and went through this difficult procedure that cost a lot of money and only to find out literally two months later that we were going to be adopting a child. Uh, so it, I just had a work meeting last two weeks ago and you know where they do those icebreaker questions and you go around tell us something about yourself that people probably don't know. And, Oh, I like to play the guitar. Oh, I've, you know, I build statues in my basement and whatever, whatever. I just stood up and said, I've had two vasectomies and That uh, that's not something you hear very often. So I got a pretty good laugh out of that. Uh, But it's. Audrey came into my life via uh, adoption. She has no idea either. Uh, Even to this day, she has no idea. And uh, so we got her in 2014. And when I married my wife, Amanda, um, she's considerably younger Amanda I am 49 Amanda is 31 my maturity level brings me down to about 35 her maturity level brings her up because she's very mature so we we balance out at about 35 and um when we got together she said I really I want a kid between us you know I brought kids she brought a son to our relationship and I, you know, I told her, I said, look, I don't want to be that dad that's 75 years old drooling at my child's graduation. So you, if we're going to have a child, we, we, you get until I'm 45. And we made that, we made that agreement. And, um, when I was 45, she finally got pregnant, uh, by me, thankfully. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, um, she, we got pregnant. We had Isabel and all was great. And she kept telling me, you need to go have your vasectomy again. You need to go have that again. I'm like, yeah, it's okay. That it was a fluke. And a year and a half later, she ended up pregnant again. And so I kicked myself. I mean, that sounds horrible. I kicked myself because I really didn't want to have a kid at 47 because for the same reasons we talked about, but I'm young enough. I'm, you know, I've got lots of energy. It's not like I'm, you know, in the nursing home yet, unless you talk to them, but (laughs) uh, that's, that's how I ended up with six and uh, that's kind of my story as it relates to, you know, the two adult children and how did I end up with two little kids and my God, you know, Braxton and Audrey are a year and three, three days apart in age. Um, Braxton was born uh, August 22nd of 13 Audrey was born August 25th Of 14 and um, You know so Sometimes when people see them they're like Okay they, they're they they're Trying to do that math And uh, it, it's Funny kind of watching all of that happen but Yeah but I'll tell you One last thing before your next question it, It's um, Having kids in pairs Has been incredible Because you know Braden and Garrett entertained one another very well. They played, you know, they were truly best friends. They still are today. Braxton and Audrey pairs nine and 10 years old. Now they're boy and girl, but um, that still doesn't change the fact that they play together. As long as Braxton is willing to be, you know, the subservient person, the, the, the scum of the earth that's willing to do everything his sister says, well then everything's okay. They'll, they'll play together just fine. And then of course I've got the other two, but if I'm so happy that even, even with Piper kind of the surprise baby, um, I'm so happy that we did that. I ended up with all of them in pairs and I still enjoy getting them together. Um, you know, over the holidays where I can have everybody in the same house at the same time. Um, it really, really does a lot for me.
0: Speaking of pairs, would you recommend like for someone in my situation? And I and I don't know that my wife is necessarily going to take any of your comments to heart. But do you recommend having more than one? Do you take it on case by case, or do you just generally say more the merrier?
1: No, I I I I love a big family, uh, thankfully. Uh, but it's I would say pairs for sure because my daughter Audrey, for instance, she was a slow. She was slow to talk, nothing wrong with her, anything like that. It, it, she didn't have any challenges, but she, she just didn't need to communicate. And it was funny. You know, she was just around adults all the time. And when we introduced Braxton to her, um, you know, they were two and three at the time. And. It was amazing how quickly Audrey started talking after Braxton was in the picture. And you know, kind of having that other person, you know, that they can relate to, I think is important to the development of children. And I think that it, I think they're both very well adjusted children. Uh, they're both very intelligent and, and I'd like to take a lot of credit in that. Um, I can't, I, I think that it's really because they're kind of in it together and they're a resource for one another. And, um And I, and I think that's important. Uh, I think there are, if you were to ask Audrey, would you rather be an only child, which she is with her mother? So when she goes to her mother's house, you know, she spends, she splits time between here and there. And when she goes home to mom, she is the only child. And she would rather that because, you know, that one-on-one attention and all of that is very important to her. But when she's with us, she craves that big family atmosphere too. Uh, but, but, you know, even I sometimes think, man, I'm going to go get in my car and drive for a couple of hours just because I want some peace and quiet. And I think Audrey kind of enjoys that part, you know, getting away and, and having that only child life too.
0: Yeah. That sounds awesome. I wish I could uh, have another family <laughs> that I just go to and be by myself sometimes. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, so, That brings us down here to our quasi phantom midway point. It's never the midway, but call it what you will. We'd like to transition into what's going on with you. Sometimes the guest has nothing, you know, uh, extemporaneous going on in their lives that they want to talk about. Sometimes they wrote a book. Sometimes they're doing all kinds of things. I know that you've got a a podcast. So if nothing else, uh, go ahead and tell us what you got going on there.
1: Well, great. I'd love to. So we have. Uh, I'm actually talking to you in the "Every Joke Has a Little Truth" studio, um, where where Amanda, my wife, Jamie, my ex-wife, uh, we do a podcast called "My Wife, My Ex-Wife, and Me." And the idea behind that podcast is that you know I, I say on the description of the podcast, I am armed with only a microphone to defend myself. Uh, you know, so I, I take a beating on the show uh, quite a bit, you know, we talk about family stuff. We talk about relationships. We talk about raising children. We talk about movies. We talk about the holidays and just, it's nice to get together. You know, obviously my wife, Amanda is my best friend and I love her more than anything. You know, I was talking about my wife, Tracy, that I cheated on with Jamie. And Amanda was able to let me, you know, kind of make amends with my ex-wife, nothing weird, just, Hey, you know, we're able to have a conversation, pick up the phone and talk, have lunch. My wife's not going to care. And so I've, we've buried the hatchet. So it's strange that I really loved her. I really loved my second wife, Tracy. And um, if just, blip in time and i blew it all and if you would have asked me 15 years ago or well maybe not that number 12 years ago you know did you do the right thing of course my answer would have been no my god it got me here and amanda matches me much more than anybody and um yeah I, i i'm it's hard to say that i'm happy even even to go through what I got through to get what I went through to get here, I'm glad I did, because if I don't end up with Amanda, I don't know that I'm as fulfilled as I am. So I say all that to say this. We sit on the podcast and we talk very openly about relationship issues and um, you know, I think people get surprised that I can be in the same room with my wife and my ex-wife. and I'll tell you why that works. Uh, Audrey. Uh, Audrey, Jamie, and I divorced uh, in 2016. We split up, and Amanda and I got together in 17. And um, we had that usual breakup, you know, where name calling, accusations, and this, that, and the other thing. And to be fair, Amanda and I were closer than we should have been when when I was on my way out with them with Jamie. Um, But it was, we all knew that the relationship was done. It was just a matter of time at that point. Now, I don't want to get into too crazy, weird details, but we didn't get along. And I took Amanda on a trip to um, uh, Gatlinburg, Tennessee.
0: and (laughs) I live really close to there.
1: Do you really? I kind of sensed that that was possible. So we'll talk more about that in a minute. So I had also taken Jamie to Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And when I told Jamie that I was going to, I wasn't going to be able to get Audrey because we were going to be in um, Tennessee. Of course, she was like, Oh, are you going to take her to where you took me? And you know, all of those questions that women sometimes come up with not all women, but you know, and uh, i was like yeah whatever you know live your life i'll live mine so i'm i'm there i'm i'm going into the uh aquarium in gatlinburg and i just bought we just walked in the door and i was just getting ready to take a picture of a shark inside of there and send it to my son braden and my phone lights up and it says it's jamie i'm like my god she is just going to You know, she's just trying to make sure she stays present. She, I can just not have a good time in my life because she wants to ruin everything. And I almost bumped the call, but for some reason I didn't. And I go ahead and answer it. And she says, Hey, you need to start making your way home. And I'm like, Oh, can't wait to hear why. And I said, Well, okay, what's going on? Why would I need to be making my way home? And like she had to take her second to gather herself. And I'm like, okay, this is serious. I'm thinking, you know, her mom, her dad, her grandmother, something, you know, serious has happened. And she says, I've got Audrey at the doctor, and they think she has leukemia. And I'm like, Are you fucking kidding me? You can you believe that? And uh she and she says, No, Denny, and she's bawling. She's bawling. And she said, we're in Pocomo, which is the town where we're at, right, where it's about seven miles west of where I live. And uh, she said, they're going to take us by ambulance to, we have a big children's hospital called Riley um, in Indianapolis, which is about an hour's drive from here. And I said, okay, I'll meet you there. And it's crazy. Um, my wife, I, I just told her, I said, hey, we've, we've got to go. And she said, what's wrong? And I said, I, I, could, I couldn't even bring myself to talk about it. And my dad had died of cancer. My mom had died of cancer. And I had, uh, so I've, I looked at myself as kind of, I, t- I took a sports approach. I'm over. I can't win. And now my little girl, my first little girl, my, at the time, my only little girl has, they think she has leukemia. And when I say they think she had leukemia, they knew They just couldn't say it until they ran tests. They knew, and turned out she was eighty-nine percent of her blood was infected at the time. Um, She was pretty serious, and we, um, my wife, navigated so we could avoid traffic. I got back to the hospital. Um, They were only they were only in Riley for about two hours, and I got there. That's a six-hour drive. Uh, I'm not. I'm not trying to say that, you know, I I did anything magical. We just we navigated it in such a way that we minimized, you know, traffic jams and weird stuff like that. My wife to this day talks about whenever I would look over at the speedometer, I I don't know why it was, but every time it was either 96 or 106. That's how fast we were going. And I was begging to get pulled over. I was begging to get pulled over because I wanted an escort. And Hmm. um And I'm going, I see cops going the other way. They'll catch me going five over and give me a ticket, but I'm going, you know, 106 miles an hour and they're just going on about their day. And so I got there and one night, Audrey is in her hospital bed and um, only two people could stay. And this particular night, she wanted her mother and I to stay. And. In that night after she she wanted to sleep and held both of our hands, I could get emotional talking about it now. And she wanted to hold both of our hands. And so of course we did that. And when it was done, you know, we started talking and that night while she was asleep and she, um, pronouns, Jamie said, you know, what are we doing? And I, Ask the same question and I don't know I mean it, it, It's tough And You know You're kind of bitchy I'm not going to mention I'm just gonna, <laughs> I did say that, that be, I did say that But that's because We had that kind of relationship And You know She said We're going to have to put the, Everything aside For her Because at this point I mean we had people Quitting their jobs To help take care of her Because we had to still work And It Long story short, we started getting over it little bits at a time, and then we were all going to her doctor's appointments together. We all had shirts made that matched, and um, when when we'd go into her doctor, which we loved, by the way, her doctor, you know, her doctor would come in and she would say, "Okay, how we doing this week?" because it was a weekly appointment. And every time I, you know, she knew that I was the husband and Jamie was the ex-wife, and and you know, Amanda, my wife, was always there, and my ex-wife's Beyonce was there. So there was always four, four or more of us there. And, you know, I would wait and I would say, you know, Dr. Noter, her her name was Dr. Noter, the doctor. And I would say, Dr. Noter, I don't, I don't know if I should be telling you this, but, you know, Jamie... Jamie didn't make her go to bed last night. She stayed up all night. Could you put that in the report? Now I knew (laughs) damn good and well, there was no report and she wasn't going, I played it like she was going to be reporting to CPS or something crazy like that. And so it just always became this joke and everybody would say, this is what a divorced couple and co-parenting should look like. And I'd always wanted to do a podcast and I have a face for podcasting. And (laughs) My, and she, Jamie was dumber in a box of hammers. And I could tell her that today. And I was like, the idea of doing a podcast with you, I I'd rather shut my own head in the doorway 10 times than carry you through a podcast. Well, it turns out she's the best one on the podcast. And we decided to go ahead and try it. And th- my wife, my ex-wife and me, we've just recently rebranded. We were called Thank God Cancer Saved Our Divorce, and we've been doing this podcast for five years, and it, it releases every Monday, and we just talk about whatever. Now, all of our episodes are out there. Man, our first few are so bad. I'm sure you experienced that too. Their first episodes, they're embarrassing, aren't they? I mean, you yeah, leave that- them be- because you have to, but it- God, I hate it.
0: I was actually going to ask, where should a new listener start with your podcast? So I,
1: I would start midway through 2021, I think, is really where we hit our stride. And I, I, the only reason I rebranded this to my wife, my ex wife, and me is because everybody thought we were a religious podcast. Thank God, cancer saved our divorce. A, they thought we were a religious podcast. B, they thought, I don't know how, but they thought that based on the title that we were still together. Like we worked things out and it it was kind of an oxymoron, right? I wanted it to be, thank God cancer saved our divorce, meaning, hey, we had this shitty divorce. We're still divorced, but cancer made it a better divorce. And it, it just, it grabbed, I mean, we had, we, we have a good following, but we just, I didn't feel like we were growing anymore and I, I wanted to reach more listeners and I wanted to, our title to better describe kind of what you could expect because, you know, we do so much on the show, Corey, we do, um, we do, um, uh, you know, each week we have a topic. So we have, we come into intro music and, um, we do intro music. We do, um, we do segments each week. Like I have a love hate segment. Tell us one thing you love, one thing you hate, and it could be anything you might hate. You might love, you know, snow and you might hate stupid people. And we, and you tell us why for just a minute and you move on, but we also do relationship advice with AMS and jams and jams is Jamie's, uh um, nickname. And Amanda adopted the AMS idea, this segment so each week we read uh listener questions about relationships and then they give their advice on you know what to do it's kind of like a dear abby type thing but that's what we do each week we're very sophomoric we have a good time uh our jokes are stupid um but we just it's kind of co-parenting without excuses and we every parent Every parent wants to have a good time. And just because we have to get our kids to school, just because we have to watch screen time, just because we have to pay the bills doesn't mean that we can't cut loose and have a good time and relax. And that's what we do on this podcast. And we make fun of things and we get downright silly sometimes. And, and I play it like you, I'm going to play on my guests. So if I have a guest that's very um, stiff I'll play stiff. I don't mind. I can do that. But if I have somebody I can have a good time with, you can bet your ass I'm going to, and we're going to have a good time. And and we're going to laugh because I think that's what this world needs. We want to learn. We want to, we want to, you know, share like experiences and we want to have a good time. And that's what we try and do on our podcast in a nutshell, my wife, my ex-wife and me.
0: Right on. Sounds good. That actually uh, plays with a slogan, I'm sure that uh, a million podcasts have, but that we used to have, which was uh, learn a little and laugh a lot. And it Mm. sounds like you got that down to a T. So we try um, that's if nothing else, that's a good pull for new people. I mean, you, you know, I'm not, I like history and I like sports and stuff, but sometimes I just want to, you know, listen to people talk about life and laugh at them. And Mm. you, you seem like you have that up and down. So for any listener out there, you know, you should definitely give that a try. And I'm, I myself am attracted to the idea of learning about the, the dynamic of co-parenting. There's been, uh, I go back to that. It makes it sound like I lied, but I really didn't. But we do have some, some people asking about, you know, what do you do when, uh, you know, your, your child is uh, living with another man or what if you're, what do you do if you're the other man and that sort of thing. So, I can, you know, listen to maybe a couple episodes and steal your wisdom and pass it off as my own. It's uh, funny you mentioned that.
1: that. One One of our most popular episodes, and I know I told you to go and listen. Um, I know I told you to go and listen from, you know, mid-2021, whatever. But one of our very first episodes, one of the first five or six, uh, we talk about how um, Jamie there, there was a list of rules. It's called rules. There's always rules. And Jamie had a list. You're not going to braid Audrey's hair. Your son is not going to be her brother. I mean, just all of these things and they were so silly and, you know, we joke about it now, but you know, parents go through that. When you get a new relationship, you know how, and my son's going through a divorce now, Braden, he's got two beautiful boys, you know, they're three and four and, or three and five. And, and, it's it's funny because he's he said not too long ago he's like hey dad my my ex you know she's got a new boyfriend I haven't even met him like eh. I mean how important is that sure it's important but you got to meet him before well you're going to disapprove and so they can't go what, what's the plan there and you're just putting an unnatural and a strain on yourself that you're you're borrowing trouble is basically what you're doing and that's a thought process that I want to help people get past. What they do is what they're going to do. If your children aren't being hurt, they're not, you know, they're being fed, they're staying warm, then let the rest of it work itself out. And, you know, it's so much feels like it has to be adversarial. Now, this chick had my son put in jail, so it's it's not always easy, but it's um it, doesn't always have to be so confrontational she I, I make fun of her pretty good on the podcast too just because she's she's frustrated me and it's my outlet but it's my podcast so it's okay but it's I'm telling you man it, it's people take things way too seriously and that's what we try and do is is we talk about serious topics and we dumb them down and try and make it fun that's what we do
0: uh, that's that in itself is an idea for a segment that I could steal and create on the podcast. Just take like the most serious things and make them just sound stupid and silly and dumb and uh, insignificant. So that pe- yeah. And make like make it into something that people are actually able to laugh at. Yep. Uh, yeah. Sound, like describing it makes it sound a bit above my pay grade, but who knows? I guess, you know, work it like a math problem and we can see. But that is, like I said, that is an awesome podcast uh, idea, theme, topic. I get you know, many guests on here with various podcasts. And I'm always like, oh, that's so awesome. And, and oftentimes, you know, they describe it in such a way that it really does seem to be awesome. But when the time comes to go, you know, they've, they've been on the show, they've come and gone. And now it's time to listen to their podcast. I'm just like, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. Oh, I'll do it tomorrow. Oh, I'm getting to it. And then, I, I, you know, sometimes I simply never get to it. Awesome people, awesome guests, awesome shows, I'm sure, with way more listeners than mine. And I just don't get to it, but yours is someone that I feel like I could, you know, actually have a touchstone with that could draw me in. And and in addition to knowing one of the hosts, you know, it's a topic that's close to my own heart. So I am always on the lookout for something. You know, in addition to what I'm already listening to, it seems when you know, I know that some people listen to a lot of podcasts. It seems like when Sunday rolls around, I have nothing. So one more, maybe that will push you know something into Sunday and give me something to listen to that day. (laughs) It's funny you say that. I,
1: I, I I mow the yard. It takes me about an hour and that's where my podcast listening started is mowing. And I started off with the chick McGee um, off the air is what it was called. And it's no longer a podcast. Matter of fact, none of his are. um, But I I enjoyed listening to him and I got a lot of kind of my style uh, from him. Very conversational, much like how you do it. That's why I think you and I gel pretty well is your style is very relaxing and, you know, I don't feel like I'm having to, um, I I don't feel like I'm missing the mark on your questions. It's not uncomfortable. You know what I mean? And there's an art to that. And again, it's not taking yourself too seriously. And I think, I think you're there too. So it's, but podcasting to me, there are so many out there and my goodness, Uh, If any, if I've interviewed you on my show and you think I'm talking about you, I'm just going to say, I'm sorry, but my God, I've interviewed some people and their shows are bad. (laughs) They're bad. They're so bad. And like, i listen to them and I'm like, when I'm interviewing them, like they, you can tell that there's good in there. Like there's entertainment there. They just can't tap it themselves. And I think they think they have to be a particular way because they're behind the microphone. And I think most people lose themselves. Like you were talking about before we started, you know, they get nervous or whatever. So they, they try and stick too much to a script and whatever. And then all of a sudden you're, it's, you know, you're watching paint dry or you're listening to paint dry. I just want to have a good time. And now I'm sure I've lost some listeners because I just want to have a good time. Um, You know, maybe I'm not as serious as some people want. We've had some very serious episodes, but um, you know, it's, it's an outlet for me. And I know that there are millions out there. There are millions of podcasts out there and to go out and, and find your little corner of the world. uh, It's, it's helped me through, you know, some, some tough times and, And I'm glad, I'm glad I've done it and I'll continue to do it. So it's, by the way, you can find us everywhere. We are, Yeah, we're on all the major platforms and then, um, you know, you can find us on Apple podcasts. You find us on, you know, Google podcasts are going away. They're going to do it all through YouTube now. Um, and you know, Spotify, we're there just everywhere you can get. And we release on Mondays, but you can also go to our website, which is com, And all of my podcasts are there. Uh, and remember, don't judge me by the first, let's say, dozen, maybe even two dozen. The production's bad. The content's bad. The voices are bad. Um, we didn't even have a studio. We took an old room that, you know, really had no use. It was really kind of a storm shelter. And we turned it. You can kind of see behind me here. I got a bunch of memorabilia all through some of it, kids, some of it, other podcasts I've done uh, this little doozy right here. I'm going get my finger right there is, this is a calendar that my ex mother-in-law, Jamie's mom gave me. And it's from an old service station and you can see she's clothed until I do this. And then she's not. And my mother-in-law, Gave me that, so I think it has to be celebrated on the podcast. That's just my feeling.
0: Yeah, that's something that that is definitely one of those things that you would pick to to keep out there for every episode because that's got that's got a good story to it. I'm as as you may or may not see, I'm just surrounded by a bunch of useless posters and pictures, so it's really just whatever happens to be on the wall in the room that I'm Lost Boys,
1: baby. I like it. First thing I noticed, uh,
0: definitely, uh, probably my favorite. You know, I really like the Goonies and I really like the Crow, but I keep you know I can watch the Lost Boys basically anytime I see it. So it's it's definitely one of those that, that hit me you know at the I have at to a rewatch age. it.
1: Yep, I'm gonna have so, to rewatch um,
0: that one. This is uh, I hate to get into this because we are at the end, but I, I did want to ask just because you've got so many kids uh I, I, correction so many sons and I have a son myself and these are just things I worry about. I worry about everything. It's what I do. But I am, you know, I'm, I'm of the opinion that I'm, my son's going to get to a certain age and I'm going to be introducing him to all these different things. You know, He-Man, GI Joe, Motley Crue, whatever it is. And, and he's just going to be like shooting them all down because I'm just the lamest dad around. I'm wondering what your experience is with that. Do you have kind of a, a, a good success rate? Do you not try to do that at all? What, what's your plan or what's your deal with that?
1: Uh, no, you're exactly right. He's going to shoot down everything you like, and it's going to be lame. And you are going to wish you never told him. That's pretty much how that's going to go because it's like we were talking about early earlier. Everything is so much. You know, the graphics are so much better now. The you know, you can watch. No, I don't know about you. Friday nights, you at eight o'clock, you were going to find me watching the Dukes of Hazard. I don't care what happened. That's where I was going to be, and. You know, appointment TV doesn't happen anymore, and the TV that they do watch is usually bad TV. Uh, <laughs> there's, no, it's. I, I know I'm talking about the Dukes of Hazard, like it's, you know, a, a, a
0: hey, that's a classic,
1: a, a, like a great theatrical thing, but it is. I mean, it shaped so many people, and it, what they, the, the interest from these kids, um, is not the same today as it was when we were young. And um, they will, they'll patronize you. Don't get me wrong. He will. Um, it's funny. My daughter, Isabel, is the one that loves the things that, she wants to watch the Dukes of Hazard every night. And we don't do it every night because bedtimes and whatnot. But um, I'd say at least a couple of times a week, we watch one or two episodes of the Dukes of Hazard at her request. So she is the first of six that do it. And she's three years old. I don't know how she. I don't know how she turned out to be the one that likes the Dukes of Hazard. I don't know how any of that happened. But but she's um, she's the one that has kind of enjoyed those. Now when they get older, are more tolerant and they'll give things more of a chance. That wasn't always the case. Um, but when they get older, they're more willing to sit back. And then you'll you'll have some pride when you hear him say, yeah, it was a simpler time. And I wish my boys could have grown up watching this type thing. And, you know, that's when it happens. But you're going to have that. I like this. And they're going to roll their eyes and say, oh, great. Nat, that's really cool. And then you're going to want to punch him in his face for it really hard.
0: Uh, that's hard. It's hard to hear you confirm that because it was not the case with me. My dad, you know, I, he liked uh, Dwight Yoakam. yeah, He liked Aerosmith. He liked uh westerns you know action movies all things that I like now and so I was just hoping against hope that maybe the case might be different because it's like virtually every dad I've spoken to has kind of agreed with you to a large degree there's been a couple that have been like oh yeah like one of my sons is exactly like me and you know he he does everything I do but the other one is like no dad you're stupid and lame and I hate everything about you but I mean so it's been like you know one out of ten has has given me hope and that's not that's not a lot but uh, I'm <laughs> I'm glad that we got that out there I can pop that bubble and, and let that that dream die um, I am going to get here to what might be a bit of a uh, more of a uh, a boost more of an uplifting kind of thing and that is our uh, award-winning jokes at the end of the episode and not to say that we're gonna say goodbye to, after this but I have a bad uh, habit of just Simply forgetting them in general, and since we are down here toward the end, I'm going to go ahead and get it in. So everybody, uh, plug your ears because I'm about to blow your minds. Hmm. A man is getting a checkup. The doctor looks up at him and he says, "You have to stop masturbating." The man says, "Why?" The doctor says, "Because I'm trying to examine you." That's gold. I wish I wish I had my
1: sound effects with me because I would play my my applause button right there. That is a gold standard, Yo.
0: Know, I appreciate gold that. Standard. I've thought about getting a soundboard for things like that, but I, it's just so much to remember. I recorded this awesome interview with this dad. One time we hit some, like all these emotional notes and we got done. We said goodbye. I hit end and it didn't pop up to record. It just ended. And I was like, Oh good. So I don't, I did not do that. I did. The, I did not do the one thing that, you do when you have an interview is, which is recorded. And it took me, it took me a long time to get over that. I blame it on, you know, once again, going back to the mental toughness, there's, you know, I had my grandma died uh, this year. My dad died like a month later. I saw my neighbor die uh, about a month after that. And I think it was just a bit more, you know, like I, maybe it was a bad day for me or something because it, that really clung to me and I, I really gave myself hell for that. That's a very simple thing for like days after that, but um, luckily I've, I've checked a couple times, and that that upper hand it does say recording, so this one's going to go out there to Good. all my wonderful fans.
1: Uh, let me all, let uh, me let me. I know you're at the end, but let me. I have to tell you my story that goes along with that. I had one of my very very favorite episodes I ever had. Um, was I, I I interviewed a guy named Steve who was out in Colorado, and he ran a um, a biblical, um, high intensity retreat for couples. You know where he handled, um, you know, counseling and that type of thing, right? And when I interviewed him, I didn't have a lot of expectations for where it was going to go. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was afraid it was going to be a little too biblical. And um, oh my! goodness, it was my favorite interview I ever did. And we just flowed and, and he was honest and he was, you know, he was breaking us down and and talking about Jamie and me and Amanda and our dynamic and oh, it was unbelievable. I have goosebumps right now talking about it. And when I went to edit it and release it, for some reason, my computer had broken it down into four or five second bits I'm not kidding four or five second segments, each one and in no particular order. So I had to, I had to put that thing back together and, and I did, there was, (laughs) we lost about four minutes of audio at the very beginning that I went on and explained, but, oh, uh, my goodness. I I still remember realizing what had happened. And then I found the files luckily, because I, I don't even know how I found them and uh, I'm like these are in no order, and my wife and I sat downstairs and listened and moved them around like a big puzzle uh, all night to get it. Because I I was a stickler. We say we're going to release Monday. It was going to be. It was going to release Monday, and we stayed uh, we stayed up all night and put that thing together. And I'm still happy about it. Um, but I have a very similar uh, situation. I've had the time where I didn't push record and, and I now do it two times. I I record on screen and on my board. So hopefully that never happens to me again. Um, but that, that one particular incident I'll never forget because I was just like, okay, this has got to be wrong. Four seconds a piece (laughs) for an hour and 20 minutes. Oh yeah.
0: Man, I applaud your ability. Knowing even that you're married to her, I applaud your ability to find a co-host with, the same desire that you have because this show originally was always going to be me and and this other co-host and I've you know I've long it's it's taken a long time but I've realized eventually that if I want to you know make it grow and do whatever it is that I want to do it's going to fall on me you know virtually all of it does anyway I've I've scheduled the guests I'd you know cut and release the reels and da 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 they are uh my co-hosts they're my security blanket. They're my, you know, it's good to, to have friends on the show. I, I you know, I enjoy having them to, to bounce stuff off of, but at the same time, it, you know, in my situation, I'm the only one that I can rely on to show up week after week after week. And yep. I would give not my right arm, but I would probably give my little toe to have a co-host that, you know, had the time and the ability to commit themselves. Like your, your wife has done. And, you know, congratulations on that. You, you clearly have someone that is uh, it's, you know, worth keeping, you know, definitely, definitely got to hold on to that one. It's crazy that you, were, you, you had that uh, your situation with your earlier wife, your ex-wife, because I actually, I was with a, I got with a girl in the army. She was from Taiwan and her dad had a stroke. I don't even know if this is going to make the podcast, but her dad had a stroke and kind of lost his mind to a certain degree. And she had a semester left of school. And he was like, you need to come home. I'm not paying anymore. And I was like, well, I'm in the army. And if I get married, then I make a lot more money. And so we got married and we were together for about nine years. And I cheated on her with this girl that I had uh, been with very briefly in high school. And, uh, you know, she was perfect. My, My wife at the time, she was perfect there. I was a piece of shit. Like I was a terrible husband and she just put up with it and never complained and was just an angel. And I, and then I cheated on her for virtually no reason at all. And she still wanted me, she still wanted me to stay. And, and I moved away to try to get with that girl. And it, uh, it, we never made it last. It never even became a relationship. The exact you know, same thing. Yeah. It, it was just a, a complete waste of time. And, and, and it, I held on to that forever, but you know, now I've got my wife that we've been with, I've been with for almost 10 years. Um, you know, I've got my son that I wouldn't trade for anything and you know, it, it's weird how many times I was like you know near to near to some pretty bad times without ever realizing that it could be like this you know yep. down the road and yep. I don't know what made me think of that other than you had experienced it too, but you know hey if it does make the podcast at least maybe it's, somebody here that can
1: it's the same thing and i and I think it is important for people to hear that because I think that's taboo for. A to admit you made a mistake. We all make mistakes, man. And it, it was, and it's funny because Jamie and I, because of Audrey having cancer, um, I, I started to tell you this, and I don't know why I got off of it, but Amanda clearly is my best friend. But outside of my marriage, my best friend is my ex-wife. She was the maid of honor in my wedding <laughs> to Amanda, and you know we joke a lot about being married and you know all of that, but we we were never meant to be married we were never meant to be married and it turns out she was my vehicle to get me to be married to amanda so i guess in a weird convoluted way it worked out but um you know if you would have asked me in 2016 you know do you want to go back to your ex wife cuz my ex wife wanted tracy wanted to get back together she desperately wanted us to stay together and like you i i needed to prove that this wasn't a mistake. I was going to prove to the world that this was the right thing for me to do. And I knew all along, I shouldn't be doing it. And Jamie and I were so much better as friends. And that comes through on the, on the podcast. Like you can tell that we have a great relationship and we trust one another. Um, It just, the chemistry wasn't there for us to be married. And, um, you know, and she's a big part of my life and I'm glad she's here but if you would have asked me in 2009 if this is where I thought I was going to be sitting, I'd have said, you're crazy. And, uh, you know, but here we are. And now I'm talking to you. So I think it's worked out.
0: Yeah, I'd say you probably hit the right path, even if it was, you know, not something you initially planned. You definitely should look. I don't know if you're at all a writer, if you know any, but you should look into writing a screenplay because you guys got a movie there. You might even have a TV show there. Uh, something like Frasier, where, you know, you you each episode is like <laughs> ah. a bit of an uh, a show episode we uh, that we just something i thought about uh it definitely be a bit of a uh more of a comedy probably than anything Mm -hmm. else but um we need some good tv like you were saying i i'm so hard up for good tv i was watching the Bonic woman this morning so i'm uh you know i'm I'm definitely more inclined to watch like uh that is an 80s yesterday yeah.
1: Funny. Are you seeing those on Facebook or something? Is that why you're looking, watching those now? What got you back to watching? Because they, they, those two particular shows are on my Facebook page now every single day. And I just haven't sat down and found them to watch them again, but it's on my list.
0: It, it's not necessarily something, I mean, Facebook might have exacerbated it because I do see a lot of uh, Steve Austin pictures in, in certain, I, I follow a lot of different like pop culture comic type groups and uh and they will you know sometimes post million dollar man stuff uh, or yep. six million dollar man stuff but by and large I, I reached a point where and i do this from time to time i did this with uh, cartoons where i'll just make a huge long list of all the cartoons that i've not watched or want to watch uh, mostly from the 80s and 90s and then i will simply work my way through them um mm-hmm. i'm watching uh simon and simon miami vice Rage um, show uh Ray like said, shows f- the the fall guy um you know just various different um shows uh dukes of hazard i've I've never seen all the dukes of hazard episodes Uh, i've never seen any of the ones with the two other cousins that come on
1: coy and vance season five
0: i'm I'm interested to get to that point if only just to see if it's as bad as it's supposed to be it was but (laughs) but um that that is my that is you know what i watch nowadays that and obviously uh i think i mentioned this i watch sports and and I'm a big pro wrestling fan, but it's really hard to get me to sit down through anything new. I've just, it's just not my bag anymore. I've just, I've reached that age where I'm not, it's, you know, I'm not um, complaining. I'm not criticizing. It's just that I would much rather watch something that's already been that was on. good.
1: I, I challenge you find, you mentioned cartoons, find one cartoon that is half as good as the Flintstones. <laughs>
0: Man, Go I ahead. love the Flintstones. I'll wait.
1: There they do not make them anymore like that. Those, those are, you you could put the Flintstones on primetime TV and people would have watched it then. And today, what do you get? Ren and Stimpy? I mean, that's even old. Like,
0: yeah. you know, <laughs> I was going to say that's it, still kind of old.
1: Still kind of old. So I, it's, I don't even know what would even get close to it today, but uh, it's TV just doesn't do it like it used to. I wish it did, but yeah,
0: I mean cartoons in particular just don't stand up to what i had growing up like no. the intro music alone just is not what it used to be i mean you you start an 80s cartoon out and you're like banging your head and you're like I and you knew wait for what it was yep yeah yep yep so but the, i mean that's just maybe that's just two old men complaining about you know newfangled stuff get off
1: get off my lawn
0: yeah I'm also uh, not very good on Twitter or Threads. Um, I stick to Facebook and force myself to do TikTok. So, um, you know, I, I'm I'm a little bit uh, old-fashioned, I guess. But that does bring us down here to the end. I almost hate to quit talking because, like, it's it's rare. You know, like I said, I do get some really awesome guests, but it's rare that I click with someone in such a way that I feel like, you know, I could talk about virtually anything. It was it was yeah. hard at times to keep this, you know, like kind of narrowed into the topic that the show is is really about, because I felt that we could have gone off to, you know, any number of directions. But, um, you know, with that being said, I do appreciate you coming on, Denny. You've been awesome. Uh, You know, you you made me laugh. And uh, that's that's a bonus to me. Um, I'm never, uh, you know, I'm never sure whether I'm going to enjoy it. I always hope that I do. And when I do and the guest does, that's a win win. So uh, and I take for granted, I guess that you enjoyed it. But if you don't, just hide that from me. Don't 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 share that now. Just pretend that we'll you tell you.
1: It. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you. I ask my wife that question at least twice a week.
0: <laughs> Do you say the same thing about? Don't tell me the truth. If yeah. you didn't,
1: yeah, don't tell me the truth. We actually just talked about this on the podcast uh, just a couple of weeks ago. So yeah, nope. I will tell you I enjoyed it, but I mean it. I enjoyed it. This was a great time. Uh, really was
0: awesome. Cool. That's that makes me feel like I'm growing in the right direction. And uh, hopefully one day I can look back and say that I've I've been doing this for five years and that, you know, I'm I'm a little better each time. So uh, thanks for the encouragement. Thanks for uh, the compliments. Flattery gets you virtually everywhere. Uh, I'm I'm halfway to giving you the show. But uh, with that being said, you know, have a good uh, evening, good weekend and and a good uh, new year.
1: Same to you. Same to you. Thanks for having me on.
0: Action! Action! We're cold, slither. You'll be joining us soon. A band of vipers, playing our two. With a lion fist and a reptile's hiss, yes, we shall rule. We're
1: tired of words. We've heard it before. We're not going. Wrong.
0: We're cold, slipper,
1: heavy metal machine, through the eyes of a lizard, genuine dream.
0: With a bed of skins, a new order brings our control. We're tired. It's
1: just cause is strong.